So, this series. Today is going to be a rapid-fire lesson. Uh, I don't know that I've ever done a sermon like this. I've done sermons that are, I guess I've done, you know, the sermons that are just all Scripture, that I just don't ever say my own stuff and just do the whole Scriptures. Uh, this is a sermon I probably have more script, other than those kind of lessons, probably more references than any other sermon that I've ever done, here at least. Uh, there's going to be a lot of rapid-fire stuff. We're going to read a lot of passages in quick succession and... Uh, it's one of those sermons, if you want my notes, I'll give them to you. It's going to be hard to keep track as you're paying attention to notes because the idea of this lesson is more of all-encompassing, and it's we're going to be talking about what does being saved mean? What does that even mean? Uh, the obvious question, of course, is saved from what? Uh, if we're going to talk about being saved, what are we being saved from? And this is just the generic inherent in the word saved. Romans 5, 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? That's one thing we're being saved from. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we've been delivered from the domain of darkness, whatever that is. We'll talk about that later, not this week, but in a different week. Revelation 1.5-6, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. And he goes on in that text, we've been freed from our sins. That's something we've been saved from. And already we're seeing that God uses many words to describe the same thing. Just in these three Three texts, and like I said, we're going to look at a lot of texts. What do we see? Saved from wrath, delivered. That's a thing that describes the same thing, right? So saved and delivered mean the same thing. Uh, to him who loves us and has freed us, which is very similar to delivered, but also is a word that's used to describe the idea of salvation. We're seeing that God uses a lot of this, a lot of different words to describe the same idea. Even in here, we see what? Saved from the wrath of God, delivered from the domain of darkness, freed from sins. Sins, domain of darkness, and wrath of God all go together too. They're not exactly the same thing, but they're all part of the same thing, right? They're all different elements of the same idea. This is going to be a very important point moving forward in this series of lessons. The idea that God uses multiple things to describe the same idea. There are so many terms that refer to salvation. How many, just thinking off the top of your head, I'll give you like... 10 seconds, just think about how many different words there are, just words, not ideas, just words that describe salvation. I've got a list. This is not an all-encompassing list, it's just an example. Saved, saves, freed, freedom, delivered, justified, sanctified, forgiven, redeemed. We could go on and on and on. This is just a, a small sampling of words. What about different analogies? Not just different words, but different analogies or descriptions. What do I mean by that? Being in the kingdom of God, being in the kingdom of heaven, being in Christ, being part of God's family, being part of God's household. All of these different analogies that all describe the same thing, salvation. A lot of different words, a lot of different ideas. All of these terms and more are used to describe the same fundamental idea, who is going to be with God in eternity and who won't be. That's all what this is describing. These are all describing the same thing. So, the first most important point, and what we're really going to spend the rest of this lesson on, is that Scripture is inclusive in its descriptions of things. What do I mean when I say inclusive interpretation? That's a fancy term. What does that mean? When we are discussing a subject, we have to consider, obviously, all of what the Bible says about that subject. 
and, and this is going to be relevant. So when one verse says that everyone who believes will be saved, and another says that everyone who obeys will be saved, which is it? And that's the question, right, as we read through these scriptures. Both of these scriptures said by Jesus, we'll read them both, uh, both said by Jesus. So we can't even go back to a, who said it, right? You can't be like, well, Paul said this and Peter said that. No, 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 both by Jesus Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And let's be clear again, right? Well, whoever will enter the kingdom of heaven will have eternal life. Those are the same thing. That's an important point, right? You cannot separate in the kingdom of heaven from having eternal life. Those describe the same thing. So when he says in one place, those who do the will of my father will enter the kingdom, and he says in another place, those who believe will have eternal life, which is it? Of course, I'm sure many of you know the answer. God's will for us in a particular topic or subject, and what are some things we could talk about? We could talk about worship. We could talk about service. We could talk about... Uh, fellowship, the different things that we need to do with each other. We could talk about just general terms of sin and righteousness, whatever you want to talk about, whatever subject you want to address. We could talk about uh, how we should think. We could talk about uh, the things we say, all our words. Okay, whatever God says about a particular topic or subject can only be understood by looking, about, looking at all of what he has said about that thing, whatever it happens to be. And nowhere is this more important than in discussing salvation. Looking at all of what God has said about salvation. That's the only way to understand what God intends for salvation. If we read a passage that says you have to believe to be saved and another one that says you have to obey to be saved, then what's the conclusion? You must both believe and obey. That's what I mean by inclusive interpretation. That when we are interpreting the Bible, it is not exclusive. And what I mean by exclusive would be that I can just pick one verse and as long as the Bible says that one thing, that's the only thing that matters. That's exclusive interpretation that I'm excluding all the other texts about whatever that subject happens to be. So we might use Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. What does that verse not mention? That verse doesn't mention confession. That verse doesn't mention belief either. You could say it's implied, but it doesn't mention it explicitly. So if we were to exclusively interpret that passage, then I would ignore the passages that talk about confession. I would ignore the passages that talk about living faithfully. I would ignore all those other passages because I'm exclusively only going to use that passage as opposed to inclusive interpretation where I'm going to use in my endeavor to understand God's will for my life, I'm going to use all of the various things that I can find in Scripture about that subject. And again, important idea, this applies to worship and to service and to fellowship and to family matters and to whatever. This is how we need to interpret Scripture. There are numerous things that Jesus and his apostles connected to salvation, forgiveness, redemption, kingdom, membership, and I've used a bunch of these words to again drive the idea home that these all mean the same thing, right? And more. So, the next seven slides. No, that's not true. We're going to read 20 passages. 
And the point about this, we're not going to dive deep into any of them. We're going to dive deep as we go forward in this series on some of the specifics of this. But the point is we read these texts and read these scriptures, try to interpret these inclusively. How do all of these things fit together? Who will be saved? Matthew 10, 22. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So who will be saved? The one who endures to the end. It just says it here. That's nice. Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So who will be saved? The one who believes and is baptized. It's not rocket science. Acts 16, 31. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So who will be saved? Those who believe will be saved. He says right there in the text. Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Who's going to be saved? Those who confess and those who believe, right? That's what the text says right there. Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who's going to be saved? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. That's who's going to be saved. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your doing, it is the gift of God. This is a little bit more complicated, right? Who's going to be saved? Whoever God gives the gift to, right? That's what this text is saying. Whoever God gives grace to, that's who's going to be saved. 2 Thessalonians 2.9 and 10, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth. And so be saved. Who will be saved? Those who love the truth will be saved. Now, again, there's a lot, there's a profound difference. If we go through these texts, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If we go through these with an exclusive mentality, and all I ever think about is this verse, or all I ever think about is Romans 10, 13, or all I ever think about is Mark 16, 16. If I'm interpreting these things exclusively, I'm going to miss God's will for this subject, right? I will not understand all of God's will if I do not use all of the various ideas. What happens if we expand it just... This was just text that used the word saved. Really easy to do. I just put in my little Bible program. I just typed the word saved and all these scriptures popped up. What if I expand it to some of the other words that describe the same condition, salvation, right? So what are some different words? Who will be forgiven? We could ask that question. 1 Peter 3.21, baptism, which now corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a re removal from dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the res resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is in the wrong section, but we'll talk about it anyway. What does he say? Baptism now saves you, and, and then it goes into how, right? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two ideas, right? Forgiveness and cleansing. Who's going to be forgiven? Those who confess. Acts 2, 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see another analogy, right? Forgiveness, salvation, gift of the Holy Spirit. Those are all connected, right? Who's going to be forgiven? Those who repent and are baptized. Who will be justified? And the word justified, we can think about the word justified. In the legal system, what does that mean? If you're justified, or not even just legally, it means that you had 
you are no longer held responsible for negative consequence, right? That I've been made right in the eyes of the law, or I've been made right in the eyes of other people. Who will be justified and specifically made right in God's eyes? Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's going to be justified? Those who have faith, right? That's what it says right there in the text. And again, we see another analogy. Justified equals peace with God. Who's going to have peace with God? Those who have faith. Romans 4, 2 through 3. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's what this word justified means, right? Counted to him as righteousness, justified by what? Belief. And I've included two passages here that seem to be contradictory. James 2, 20 through 22. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by what? By works. Well, then what did Paul say? If Abraham was justified by works, then he has something to boast about, but not before God. He was believed. He believed and it was counted him. So who's right? Is Paul right or is James right? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Some interpreters of the Bible, most famously one Reformation author, want to exclude James from the canon because of this, this exact supposed contradiction. That James should not be included in the canon because James is contradicting Paul here, Right? Paul says that Abraham was justified by belief. James says that Abraham was justified by works. Which is it? What's the answer? Both. It's both. And we don't like that. And, and I've said this before. We have a hard time accepting. I say we, humanity. Many people have a hard time accepting that two seemingly contradictory things can both be true in the eyes of God. And when we think about, is God sovereign or do we have free will? Yeah, sorry, that's how it is. He is both sovereign and I don't know how that works because, you know, I'm a puny human and my brain is limited. Same here. He is justified by belief and justified by works. I don't know, I, you know, I don't know all the complexities of how God works that out, but I know that all of those are true. Who will live or enter the kingdom? John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Who's going to enter the kingdom? Those who are born of water and the Spirit. John three thirty six. whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever uh, does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Who's going to live eternally? Those who believe. And incidentally, he also says obey here, doesn't he? Those who believe will have eternal life, but those who do not obey shall not see life. So which is it, Jesus? Is it belief or obedience? And now, I just read a lot of scriptures. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, seven of those. So 15 scriptures that we've read. I've read a lot of scriptures. Even this amount barely scratches the surface of God's teaching on salvation in the New Testament. Not to mention what he said to the Israelites, which, you know, we will talk about at the end of this series, why we don't really look at what God said to the Israelites and why we look at what God said in the New Testament. We'll look at that eventually, but this just scratches the surface of God's teaching on salvation. So over the next few weeks, 
We're going to begin to unpack these ideas as we endeavor to answer the question, who will be saved? And why is that relevant? Do, do you want to be in that group of people who are saved? Raise your hand if you want to be saved. Your, the kids probably don't raise their hand because Gideon doesn't want to be saved. He doesn't have any idea. But good news, Gideon, you're already good to go. Um, we're going to unpack these ideas, right? Now, we'll especially be focusing in this series on our part in these things. Uh, what, what is our responsibility in this? We did read a scripture, and there are many other scriptures that talk about God's role in salvation, right? You have been saved by grace, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Uh, so God obviously has a primary role in our salvation. Uh, we'll, not, we'll not address that necessarily as much in this series. Maybe we'll do that after this series. And, but, so this series is going to be on our part, what does God expect of us? What does it mean to repent? What does saving confession look like? What's the difference between dead and living faith? How do we call on the name of the Lord? What does that even mean? Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Many other questions that we'll look at. But thinking about it practically, what does this mean for us? Each week, I will make the same offer. And we, we traditionally, you know, you think about the idea of the invitation. Which is... You know, it's not, it, they do have it in some of the sermons in Scripture, not all of them. But it's this idea that as we've been talking about things, and as you've been list, hopefully listening, I can't guarantee that you are listening, as you've hopefully been listening to things, if you realize, and, and as we talk about these various ideas, if you think to yourself, well, you know, I didn't do that, whatever it happens to be. Or that's not a part of my life, whatever it is. Maybe you haven't repented. Maybe you don't confess. Maybe you haven't been baptized. Maybe you're not sure if you really believe. As you're thinking about these topics as we go through this series, and in each week I'm going to make the same offer, right? As you listen to this teaching from Scripture, if you realize that you're lacking one of these things in your life, when is the time to make that right? Well, next week probably, right? That's what we should do. Yeah, but then what happens when Jesus comes back Tuesday night? Or if he comes back in two hours, I don't know. You have no idea. And that's, that's sort of the thing we, we don't really think about, right? If we really believe that Jesus could come back at any moment, then when is the time to make these right? If you realize that this is not what you did or not what you have in your life, when's the time to correct that? Now. Yes. Now would be the time to correct that. 